So we're recording, and we're talking chapter two on the Trillion Dollar Coach. Your title makes you a manager, your people make you a leader. We got about halfway through last time, and I'm trying to figure out where we left did off. We get, did we get to like trip reports or something like that? I don't think so. I thought we mentioned okay. it. I, I don't remember. Okay, so we talked, I think we have to cover dealing with difficult people, product excellence, communicating well, being decisive, being decisive. So we talked about Bill Campbell being human first. We definitely said we could go another episode on the chapter. Oh yeah, we 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 said there's some really gold nuggets in here around structuring one-on-ones and preparing for them. So we should definitely talk about that. Let's see. We we already published the first part of chapter 2. I'm almost done with audio, so it'll go out this week. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay. I just like the That's website. I, I was like, wait, this still says chapter one, but I remember we talked about chapter two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I got all the audio done. And I'm just kind of cleaning it up. Mm-hmm. So, and then we said Bill did a good job talking about mistakes that he made and stuff like that. Okay. So they had the dealing with difficult people piece. It'll take us a little bit to sort of get settled back into this. We talked about if you're a great manager, your people will make you a leader. They acclaim that, not you. Charles, you pointed that out last time. I thought that was really poignant, demanding respect versus having it accrue to you. Like trying to force that respect dynamic, it just isn't going to work. Humans are autonomous, right? The more, actually, the more you try to push, the more humans push back typically. And so projecting humility, selflessness, showing that you care about the company and the people around you were things that Bill Campbell said were, were good ways to accrue what he calls respect, I think there's a bit of a negative connotation there. So I, I like the word trust a little bit better. I don't, I don't have a problem with the word respect or the dynamic of respect as a leader. But this idea of trust for me is a little bit more, I don't know if nuanced or complete is the right word, but I, I do think about building trust with the people around me. We had this story about Donna telling him she was going to leave if he you know, continued to, to be a little bit too heavy-handed. And, and she was the one that actually told him, your people are the one that the ones that make you a leader. This all ringing a bell? Yep. Yep. Okay. And then we got into coaching a little bit, I think. Maybe maybe we'll start there if you want, because there's, there's sort of a quote I wanted to chat about either way, where it says in the book, most people don't spend a lot of time thinking about how they're going to make someone else better, but that's what coaches do. And so there's this, Bill Campbell's always kept up at night, is the cliche, what keeps you up at night, kept up at night by the well-being and success of his people. And that had a lot to do with getting them better. And that that resonated with me personally. You know, we have a pretty robust review system, expectations framework. So I actually use promotion, getting the people on my team, helping them get promoted, creating those data points, creating those experiences and the, the feedback loops. Because I feel like if I can get my, if I can align my actions towards helping my team get promoted as a proxy, then I must be doing some of the right things, right? because we're in a system that we feel pretty good about. And so that's kind of one way that I've looked at it, just not as a not as a means to an end, but as a as a proxy for, hey, you're you're probably doing at least partially the right things. What do y'all think about that? I, I, I think I agree that it's a it's a proxy. I I don't know I'm trying to think of what, what other proxies would exist for serving that same purpose. Well certainly work life balance, Charles. I mean you've told me a couple of stories about people that have been in your team that you you did everything you could to lead the horse to water, and there was nothing about the project or the client or the atmosphere or the culture that 
forced or put undue pressure on someone to work so much extra that they couldn't, they felt like they couldn't take vacation or couldn't be home for dinner. Yeah. And they just didn't. Right. Yep. And, yep. and so I, I think that's certainly a proxy as well on the, on the other end of that sword. Yeah. Yeah. The, the quote that you, you talked about at the beginning coaches, well, can you, can you read it again? I forgot what you said about how they, they spend their time thinking about how to make other people great or better. Yeah, so in the book, most people don't spend a lot of time thinking about how they're going to make someone else better, but that's what coaches do. Yeah. That's what Bill Campbell did. He just did it on a different field. So I think there's this, there was maybe maybe a void of spending time thinking about improving the capabilities and skills and, and career prospects of your team. Mm-hmm. And that must have been a very natural thing for Bill to do just because he, he was essentially the real-life version of Ted Lasso. Yeah. Well, that's that's certainly what my executive coach does. Like he, he will often tell me, it's like, hey, as I was thinking about you and what I wanted to share with you to help you this year, whether it's a theme or an idea or a suggestion, and it it's always, it kind of hits me. It's like, wow, he was thinking about me before ever getting onto this coaching call and, and really thinking what I need to, to grow and develop. And that's, uh, that's pretty special. Yeah. So I like that. I like that. I'm thinking about if I do that for my team and for my mentees. And and I think I do, but I I don't think probably to the degree that Bill Campbell did, you know, that, that I, I don't think it comes, I think it comes naturally to me because I've been doing it for so long. But I don't know, there, there's clearly a spectrum here. And, and Bill is on the extreme end. So I'm trying to figure out wh- where is the gap? Like, what more could I do if I wanted to do more in that regard, you know? Oh man, yeah. One easy thing is tell your team you're thinking about them when you are. Mm, I mean, mm. that it's not about getting credit, although that helps. I mean, I'm I don't think there's anything wrong with getting full credit for spending time caring about and developing the, the people on your team. But if and and it says here like that the top priority of any manager is the well being and success of her people. Totally vibe with that. Like that makes a lot of sense to me. That reflects a truth that I've experienced in my career and has gone well. And yeah, I like it when people who are more experienced than me, mentors, coaches, leaders, say, hey, I was thinking about you and when I read this article or I was thinking about you over the weekend and and here's a new idea. I love that. Like it makes you feel really special. And so there's a well-being component, I think, in there too, where you're letting someone on your team know, I care enough about our relationship and your success that I spend my finite time and energy, some of that finite time and energy, thinking about how to make you better. Mm. Like, why wouldn't mm. we communicate that? Yeah, yeah, very true. Igor, any thoughts there? We're about to hit trip reports as as I'm looking at my notes, which I know are your favorite thing. And was yeah, as well. I think that, like to me, that quote is aspirational because I I do spend quite a bit of time in that mode. But I would say that it's not the majority of my time. And so my aspiration, I think, would be to give give that modality more and more of my time and attention, which which basically means giving thinking about the welfare of the success of my team member more and more. And I, I think it's also probably like a natural extension of how much time you're accountable for spending on like delivering something versus like managing you know, and the more 
the more your accountabilities as a percentage of time go towards management, I, I think the more that you're able to skate towards that modality. Yeah. This chapter is gold. This is a pure gold chapter. It's, it's, there's, I mean, that's why we're spending so much time on it, I think, right, is because there's there's so much stuff. Like, it'd, it'd be easy to gloss over it and just say, okay, one episode, one chapter, but it would just be a disservice. Yeah, I think we talked about seven parts that were outlined. We, we could easily do seven episodes on this on this one chapter. Yeah. Okay, so taking a bit of a... And it covers such a gamut, too. So moving on, so the next section talks about trip reports. The, this is something, Igor, that you introduced to our management team in Dallas when you went to Portugal. Yeah. And we were trying to figure out a way to get some more collaboration, cohesiveness amongst the the leadership team in Dallas. It, one kind of hard thing, and I guess this is probably true everywhere, we have the disadvantage, I guess, of being geographically dispersed, where we typically go to client sites and you have your own sort of projects and commitments and things like that. So you could have peers and do have peers that you just you may not see for a whole year, right? And so one thing that we really want to focus on is is building and and developing the the trust and and relationships of of that peer group. And so we just talked about developing trust with the team and having that accrue to you. And now the trip reports are a way to develop relationships and trust and intimacy with your peer group. And I think that's a that's a hard thing to do, so this is a, a very useful and potent tool to do that. So why don't you you, you I think you explain it much better than I do. We've talked about it on a couple of previous episodes, but why don't you just cover yeah. it here for us? Yeah, and I, and I think the the reasoning behind the the trip report is an opportunity for for people that are working as part of a team. Your peers are are your team that to share kind of personal things that may not be just might not come up in the regular course of business. And I think Bill extends this idea of building a personal relationship beyond your peer group also with your team and i think when we go into kind of one-on-ones evidence of that there but definitely how how can you share something about health outside of work life which might help you to better connect which might help you to better humanize and, and create empathy so connection between people and trip ports are just i think they're an easy way because it's a vacation probably that you took hopefully it's a trip that you enjoyed taking and so you want to talk about it, right? And back when we went to the office, common uh, water cooler topic, right? When somebody knows that you went on vacation or something like that to say, you know, hey, how is Disneyland or how is Florida or how is Portugal or where it was. But that's sort, that's sort of one of those unintentional collision that may or may or may not happen. And uh, the trip record brought some intentionality. And it's not like a big thing. It's really just a couple of minutes of the person who came back really just sharing some of their experiences and maybe the highlights of the trip. And so at the time, I this was probably my first reading of, of, of this book. And the idea of the trip report really stuck out to me. It also stuck out to me because, well, when you think of a team, you and let's say it's in our sort of line of work. It's usually a team of engineers and managers and development leads and sometimes designers and product people come together, working together day to day on like a common shared goal, usually to solve a problem or to build software or something like that. And so I think that like very naturally creates alignment on goals because you're like literally working on usually the same product. 
or the same strategic problem or something like that. And in our case, when you think about our team, the management team, abstractly, we're working on a similar problem and um, towards the same goal. But but in fact, we're, we're quite uh, apart from one another, right? Because the way that consulting works is, is that we're sorted among different clients that we service. And sometimes a client you know, may only have one management team member that's serving them. Sometimes they may have multiple. As a management team member, sometimes you might have multiple clients at the same time that you're helping. And sort of the, the idea or the construct of a client and your connection to the client creates your own little silo, if you will, right? Because your goal is to help your, your team develop themselves and ultimately provide value to the client. And, and you could do that in many ways outside of working with your peers who are at other clients working on different problems and in different areas and with different teams. And, and so the construct of team, I think in our case, was not quite as natural as it is for a delivery team or something like that. And, and I thought, hey, I think it would be cool for us to have more connection to think ourselves as a management team more of as a cohesive team because we we really are working towards a certain set of aligned goals at the at the office level and and also it's like i know some people on the management team quite well and others i don't know at all and that there's probably a lot of people on the management team that can know me pretty well and would ask me about portugal or whatever and then there's some people that wouldn't even know they i went on vacation right because they're busy working on their own thing and, and so the trip report seemed like a low friction, easy way to start some of those connection points and conversations on the team and make it very easy, right? And so not making it so much about what we're doing at client X, Y, and Z, but, but really, hey, here's, here's the human Igor who likes to do these sort of things. And maybe you like to do them too, or maybe you don't like them. You don't like to do them and <laughs> you want to share that opinion as well. And uh, yeah, it was just as simple as grab some photos off my phone that I, I took while I was on. I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to do like 10. And then I just showed a photo and, and gave a little bit of background. I took all in, all in, it took less than five minutes. But it had really great back and reaction from, from folks. And what was cool is that you had folks that would then go on trips and they would share their. And it wasn't something that I was like saying, it wasn't like a mandate. I said, well, now that I shared my trip report, I think Stan went on. I think it was like New Zealand or something like that. And we shared his, you know, jumping and, and stuff like that. And, and, and Lord of the Rings. Always, <laughs> he went right, to yeah, Middle Earth. To see the yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And so like, that's, that's cool, right? Because I knew Stan likes to cycle and that's something that I talked to him about, but I had no idea that he was like a Lord of the Rings nerd and that some other people might be interested in that he was a bungee jump guy, right? Like to me, that's like the last thing I want to do is tie like a small cord to me and, and jump, jump off a perfectly good bridge. But I'm really, it's really into that. And there's other members really into that. And so they can bond over that aspect of, of his life and his personality outside of work. And I, I, I would have never known that about Stan if he didn't, if he didn't share. So yeah, it was, I think it was like a low friction, effective tool to share some sort of joy and personality with your peers and bring you closer together. So you've hit on something. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's pretty low friction because you've already taken pictures and and just had the experience, right? And there's probably, I mean, at least probably for half the population, a desire to share that experience with others. Like you you think it's cool. You you don't go on that many vacations every year. Like it's generally something that you humans tend to 
want to share out there, even if you're more on the introverted scale. But it also, I don't know if vulnerability is the right word, but it like it gives your peer group a peek behind the curtain, right? We put up a bit of a wall at work, like there's the personal and professional side, and there's some gray area, some that gray boundary is is wider than others, but we don't experience people's personal lives at work, right? There's some kind of, I don't want to call it a facade because it is kind of rooted in professionalism, but you give people a glimpse into a space they're not typically exposed to. You can't help but be interested and intrigued, especially when you juxtapose that with a formal meeting environment, right? Like when you, I remember where you were sitting when you presented your trip report, we were all in a conference room. You had the pictures up on the screen. And I think there's a level of intrigue that this breeds and you're you're kind of giving, you're taking the first step, you're extending the, an, a, a bit of a trust olive branch and only good things can happen with that, I think. Yeah, you could have been like, I could have gotten some feedback, unlikely from from our team, but another team, someone would have been like, hey, like nobody cares about your trip, man. Like, why, why'd you waste five minutes of our life? And like that, I guess that could have been feedback that, <laughs> that someone can receive or I could have received uh, and maybe somebody in the room thought that as well and, and didn't and didn't give me that feedback and like that's okay too. But it felt like that little place of vulnerability is like it's it's worth it, right? Like the the payoff of connection is so much higher than some discomfort or some weird feedback that I might receive about my trip or something like that. And and it does give a peek behind the curtain. I don't quite remember exactly what I showed, but I do like distinctly remember it being like, hey, that's what Stan looks like in shorts. I've only ever seen him in, in, business, in business attire. And also talks about his kids. But I, I don't think I've ever seen all of his kids before. And so it was cool to see his kids out on the platform with him and, and and all that sort of stuff. So there is kind of a peek behind the curtain that you might not always get with, with people. And, and that does present some level of vulnerability. But that shared sort of vulnerability, I think, is the prerequisite for for connection and I know that's Charles's specialty, the idea of like vulnerability and connectedness. So well can I can I yeah. Can I admit something which is gonna go counter to that? Because yeah. I, I remember when we tried to do the trip reports on a regular basis and I, I was scheduled to go and share one of my trips. I think it was a meditation retreat, and it got rescheduled and then I chickened out. Like I, I felt uncomfortable mm. doing it and I just, I, I just let it go away. Like I had it oh, all put man, together and yeah. ready to go. You know? I remember talking about that now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, sneaky. Okay. Let, let me ask yeah. you this question is yeah. if you had gone to, cause you've been, you've been to Italy recently, mm-hmm. but pre pandemic, but recently enough, if this was a tip touristy trip where you went to the Coliseum and you had some pictures of the Coliseum and you ate some Italian food and you had some nice photos of pizza. Yeah. Would you still have chickened out? Because I'm wondering, is is this just related to not wanting to do the trip report and engage in kind of the things we've been talking about? Or was it that this was like more of a spiritual journey and that was maybe a little bit too much? Yeah, I I don't know. It's tough to say because I haven't done any trip report of any sorts, but clearly there is a difference between a meditation retreat and kind of a st- stereotypical vacation. I really don't know, but I, I've, looking back on it though, I do regret it, like not doing it because I know if I, I mean, 
heck, at our at our company, I teach people that, hey, if you push past, past the discomfort, oftentimes that leads to these moments of connection. And I just, I chickened out, man. I, I was not vulnerable. Like the fear of something prevented me from going through with it. And I'm, I'm not ashamed. I mean, it, it, it happens, but I, I do regret it. I wish I had just shared it and, and maybe that would have helped other people to feel more comfortable about it because I, Igor, I was going to ask you and Robert, you can chime in as well. It, it isn't something that, that took, uh, we, we did it a couple of times and then it just, it just kind of died. And I, I know you had teed it up as something that it, it's not something that we have to do. It's really up, up to people if they're interested, but I'm pretty sure Bill Campbell, that, that was how they started, right? It, it didn't have to be a formal thing. It could have been even an informal weekend trip report. It doesn't have to be a vacation. But just what are your thoughts on why it, it didn't stick and what we could do to try to bring it back and make it more of a part of the, the ritual for our team? Yeah, I, I think there's two. Wait, did you ask, you asked Igor? I have a terrible Both of y'all, go for it. Jumping in. Do you want to go first, Igor, or you want me to go? Well, I also have two, so I'm curious to hear what your two are because they, they might just be the same. So, Robert, okay. why don't you go and I can just say. So, yeah. All right. So, the, the guidance in the book is to build better relationships among the team, start team meetings with a trip report or other types of more personal non-business topics. And we do that every time. In our weekly, we call it tactical, but it's like a leadership team meeting. We start off with an opening round question. Some of... I, I took a lot of pride in my opening round questions. I feel like they were very like interesting and nuanced. Like the, the past couple have been, what's your favorite dessert? And then you get some, I don't care, I just like chocolate or whatever. So there are some of those nice glimpses, but I like the ones you kind of have to think about a little bit. I remember I, I even got feedback that people wanted my questions like before, like the day before, so they could think about it, right? So I do think we fulfill the spirit of the trip report. The, the other thing too is this is early days of Google. Everyone was, Google had gone public. Everyone was pr like pretty newly rich. And so there was, they were pretty famous for going on some fairly elaborate weekend trips. So you had a lot of that going on as well, a lot more travel. And so I think that, you know, com that combined with the fact that we just didn't have anyone consistently, like we should have put it on our checklist or like on, everyone has like a project or something, whatever in Glass Frog for Holacracy that it would surface every time. I think we would have gotten more takers, but uh, if you don't have someone actually pushing and asking each time or even scheduling it or talking to folks ahead of time, it'll just die on the vine. And so I think I think it's sort of a combination of those things. I said two, there might've been three in there. Yeah, I, I and I, I think my, I think mine should be a little bit different, Robert and... So the first one is, I think probably kind of what Charles felt is that not, not like I feel perfectly comfortable sharing or probably oversharing a bunch of stuff. And, you and I are oversharers. Yeah. <laughs> we are, we are oversharers. <laughs> no question. No question. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes to our detriment, right? Sometimes people are, people look at us and they're like, why, why did we need to know that? Right. And they're probably <laughs> right. They probably didn't need to know that. And that's good feedback. And please keep letting me know and Robert know when we've, we've overshared because we do try to be respectful of certain people's TMI limits or whatever. And, and so not everybody's like that. And so that's part of it. And then the other part is probably like, 
seen clear value. Like I, I could imagine sort of the value, but I also had the benefit of like reading the book and buying into Bill Campbell's methodology more broadly beyond just like the trip report. But that may not be the case, I think, for a lot of folks that didn't have the benefit of maybe reading Bill's book or just grokking the that there is value. And so maybe the value proposition of getting photos together versus what they think that they <clears throat> and the team might get out of it didn't like that equation just didn't come out positive for them. And so they they may have just like been like, yeah, I just don't 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 see the point to to doing something like that. But but we do start all of our meetings with sometimes very like I like chocolate <laughs> level of information about ourselves because we do these checking questions. But sometimes they're they're very deep. And and we also have, I think, a pretty broad spectrum of members of our team at different levels of comfort of sharing things about themselves. And that's 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 also part of continuing to work towards providing not like making those people share, right? Like that's like the antithesis, I think, of what we want to do. But continuing to reinforce the messaging and the reality of like, hey, this is this is an environment where you can feel safe. And, and I think the more that we work towards creating that environment, the more safe people might feel sharing things outside of their professional work. And and I, I remember Charles telling me about his his retreat, not in an official trip, because I think we we're just having coffee and I was just very curious about it. And Charles, I would have loved if you would have come in and been like, I don't have any photos because I didn't take anything when I was meditating and so on. And, and you would have been like, but I want you to experience what that trip is like. So for the next five minutes, please turn to the person on your right and <laughs> be in silence, like stare into their eyes. Mm. Right. Because I think that was one of the exercises. <laughs> that y- <laughs> y'all did. Yeah. Here's a flavor. Here's a flavor of the trip for you. So you can understand beyond just seeing it in a photo, you can experience what it's like. And then people could be surprised how uncomfortable it, to, it is to do that for even like 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I would, I would have loved that Charles if that, but uh, yeah. I, uh, that that's totally guns blazing. And I, I don't, I don't think that would have went over well with some people on our team, but I, when I, I want to go back to something, Robert, that you, you talked about, what is the definition of a team? Because we are a, leadership team that gets together, but we also, like our day jobs are primarily not working with each other. You know, we're working with our clients, we're working with a team or set of teams that are not on the leadership team. And so part of my maybe diagnosis here of why it didn't stick or why it was uncomfortable to begin with for me is that this isn't a, this isn't a traditional team. We don't work together on a day-to-day basis toward a common goal. We work day-to-day with other people towards goals that essentially roll up. Eventually, they roll up at the office level. And, and, but we're not really working with each other. And is that, is that a team? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's I, a I type so. of team, but it's, it, it is different, though, than what Bill Campbell coached or how, how we would coach our teams on our, our clients and so yeah, I, I just don't know how to articulate point. the difference. Well, because if you have you're reporting at the senior executive team, like Bill was coaching, they all have their own sort of areas of the organization. So they have to collaborate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is some silo there. But I mean, you're still kind of working in this building. It's it's like different and it's not different mm-hmm. in some way. The Venn diagrams have a good amount of overlap. But yeah, yeah there are yeah. some some things about client work that 
you're you're spending a lot of time outside of the business. Yeah. Yeah. And some some of our clients are so large we treat them like offices, right? And mm-hmm. so there's a whole nother dynamic layer there too. So yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying to say that this doesn't apply, right? But they're No, there but are, it is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there are probably nuances to any team that kind of have to be figured out. And these tools that Bill Campbell talked about, like the trip report and one-on-one meeting structures and stuff like that, they just have to be adapted, right, to to the environment and the team because you can't just expect to install these and you get Bill Campbell level results. We're not Bill Campbell, and so some adaptation I think is probably yeah, required. for your situation. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Just like any coach. But I will say, if you can move five percent even towards Bill Campbell's effectiveness in these areas, like you're, that's a huge gain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And these are not. I mean, remember he's he was what forty before he came to Silicon Valley. Mm. Had a whole career as a coach. These things didn't just manifest out of nothing. Like what you're seeing here is a lifetime of trial and error and wisdom and experience and failure and success distilled into advice. And yeah. so, yeah, I would say there's a level here that it's it's easy to, when you watch people playing a game, looks easy. And then you start to go and get into the nuance of any one area of it. And it's like a whole rabbit trail. Is that right? Rabbit trail? It doesn't sound right. Rabbit hole? Rabbit hole. Rabbit hole? Yeah. 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 Same, same difference. Same difference, I, I think. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> All right, we're we're definitely going to have to go. I think three episodes on this chapter. <laughs> I, we'll see if. Can, can all I can list. I make a comment on on sort of Charles's observation? Yeah, and and this is maybe like kind of like a maybe a little bit too <laughs> kumbaya or whatever. But we the in in our mode of how we split sort of accountabilities members of our management team, let's say by client, we can probably all be successful at some level without ever having to truly cross-pollinate or collaborate with the other team, right? So client X can do really wonderful work for client X and be be successful and profitable and so on. And some other member of the management team can be a client and be very successful. And let's say because they're financially successful and successful in developing people individually, those things can also up and we can achieve, let's say, group success, right, by just being successful individually. And and there's probably less impetus for us to collaborate than there is for, let's say, a traditional executive team who might be managing things at the functional level. So marketing is a function and sales is a function and, and finance is a, is a function and so on. But at some point, there's there's like a coupling that has to happen between all those pieces because the organization like really can't just like survive if they don't talk to one another. And that, that's probably somewhat true for for the way that consulting is and these client silos, but it's definitely much more true for like a traditional executive team and definitely very true and very visceral for like a delivery team, which is what I you know, mentioned earlier. And, and as I was reading uh, the book, it, I had this thought that was like, yeah, maybe our management team doesn't need that to be successful however we define success. But boy, I think that by having that level of community and connection, we could all do better, right? We could be even more successful, right? We could learn from one another. We could connect on strategies with the client. We could 
connect on staffing and another sort of thing that that we think about at the office level and there could be a great amount of extra benefit right so so even extra success and things that we haven't even been able to explore if we work together, right and 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 working together as a community also like feels better because that's how humans are wired and so if if you live in a neighborhood traditional suburb right and you're kind of like upper middle class or whatever you can you can survive uh and do well and be successful as you define it without ever engaging any of your neighbors right you can run a successful household and for things that require community level things like fire and rescue police trash pickup and all that sort of stuff that's sort of abstracted away from you Right. And that kind of gets taken care of. You never have to engage with your neighbor and say, hey, why don't we pull our money together to make sure that they can respond to emergencies or so on. But but it, it still doesn't like feel right. Right. Like the, it's you're still going to so you can be successful as a household, but it's probably much better if you know your neighbors and you connect mm-hmm. to your neighbors and, and, and you work together as a social circle, even though you can be quite successful independently. And I think yeah. that's maybe the situation that we're in. And, but it's very easy to choose to say, hey, I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to go through the effort of extra connection because I'm successful enough on my own here. And, and maybe that's kind of the thing. But I also saw that as an opportunity for us to be, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I, I, I totally agree that that it is better. And I think maybe maybe the question that I'm posing is, what is the best way to foster connection between peers on a team, because I like the the emphasis on, hey, peer relationships are important. I mean, I remember one of our, collectively, the three of us, one of our mentors, I remember he sat me down and talked about us like, hey, look at the people around you right now, Charles. Hey, in a few years, y'all are going to be running the Dallas office. And yeah, you better get along now. Yeah, because it's going to be harder. Yeah. yeah. I was like, exactly. holy crap. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I maybe it's a question of you, you need you need, maybe we need in our company, we need more ways to pair people up and to get them to work together on something because they're not working on something today. I mean, in, in some of our roles on the leadership team, we do have this officer in charge and second in charge. So there's a pair, you know, where it, it's more of like an apprentice relationship than a, than a peer relationship. But maybe we should be more intentional about saying, all right, for this project or this decision, we're going to pair people up to go tackle it as opposed to letting one person do it who's filling a role. Because I do think the best way to get to know people is to work side by side with them on something. Like the people, the, the times when I got to know the people on my team really well and, and bond and connect with them was when we were going to battle together or we're up against a deadline yeah. or trying to figure out a bug and staying up late and working weekends to make something great happen. And I, I don't have that opportunity to do that with y'all on a, on a regular basis. And maybe that's where we can be more intentional is uh, pairing people up to make sure that everybody has at least an opportunity to work with somebody on something. You know? And pairing that with something like trip reports and our opening questions, that's, that's, a, that's like a double threat in a good way. We're kind of tackling it from a couple of different angles. Because yeah. it is and worth then, it. It's absolutely worth it. Yeah. As a leader of the group, too, encouraging finding moments to set those pairs up or 
in your one-on-ones giving some feedback around like, hey, I'm not, it's not clear that you and Igor know each other very well. Like, fix that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. just point it out. And it's like, you're smart. You you go figure it out. Yeah, like, you know, what, go build a figure out what y'all want to work on. Yeah. yeah. And we've given that kind of feedback when we have a new member of the management team get promoted. Mm. One of their career development points coming out of their promotion review is almost always go build relationships with this group. Go get plugged in. Yeah. And we kind of identify a contemporary group where these are the new principles. There's four of them. Like, spend some time with them. And I love your idea, though, about collaborating and working together because you see, it gives you an opportunity to see glimpses of brilliance, right? So the trip report gives you glimpses into behind the curtain Mm -hmm. into personal life, which is cool. But it's great when you're working together and then the person that you're collaborating with, like, just comes up with a great idea or perfectly puts together a slide and it just kind of makes the difference. And you think, oh, this is, this was really great. Like, I, I, appreciate the craftsmanship and so i think there's certainly multiple angles obviously building Mm -hmm. relationships but i do like that idea all right well we're coming up on time oh go ahead yeah go ahead i i I think i think it's up to the leader to set the tone of of, for for the team because you and i are also kind of like on a peer team right like we we work at a client and 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 that client could be considered a microcosm of our, our office, right? Because there's probably yeah. there's like seven, there's seven management team members, I think, on our team, right? And and we could all be quite successful from a development and a, and, a, and a financial standpoint if we all work separately. We, we don't have to work together, right? To be successful at the client. But our leader will not allow that. Like there, there's, there's no world in which Stan allows each one of us to operate completely independently without yeah. thinking of the other and connecting with the other. And he sets that tone, even though he doesn't have to. Like, and, and we could do fine without it. We, we um, would just be so, fine, though, right? Like, we would, we would just, be fine. We would just right. meet the minimum bar, which would be okay on one dimension, but we're, we're definitely better as a group. And yeah, you're, you're totally right. Like, you can, you can take on that relationship debt and ignore it, and you're not going to get any near-term consequences probably but over time not having great relationships with your peer group is really gonna yeah take a toll but yeah Ch- charles doesn't have the benefit of that right charles is the oic of set price i think several accounts at this point right and he doesn't have like a, a big client team he's he has to actually split his effort across multiple and he's the sole sort of mt and and that he, he doesn't have that clear of an opportunity and so i think especially in those cases being able to pair up with somebody, not the whole time, get in the same foxhole, shoulder to shoulder, and, and like have the same goal. Like, boy, what a what a boon that would be! I think to people that don't that don't have that, and and then yeah. you can crack the layer above at the general MT level, right, where our office managing vice president. Yeah, and it's interesting because we there is a benefit to being having that scale. But it's not like Charles were talking about you, like you're not here, doesn't do anything to to develop peer relationships with the people around him. And so there's like multiple degrees of responsibility and accountability here. It's up to you to ultimately up to you to build relationships with your peer group. And you fail to do that at your own detriment, right? Like that's very important, especially if you want to get stuff done in the long term. 
based on your situation, though, things are going to vary. And I think the leader of the group can definitely help poke and prod to point out and provide feedback that it's like, hey, this area over here, you, you could go build some better relationships in, things like that. So I, I definitely think that the best way to think about it, though, is this is your responsibility to have great relationships with every one of your peers. And I think that's a good segue for maybe what we start with next time is talking about those one-on-ones and how Bill Campbell approached structuring those. Because, oh, so good. Yes. Yeah. I, it, because w- what I, as y'all were talking about me as if I weren't here, <laughs> what I was thinking is that I do get insights about my accounts, even though I, I am just one person over accounts, not at, an, at a place where I have peers working alongside me. But I have so many one-on-one conversations with people like y'all and and other folks about other things, sometimes formal recurring meeting invites. Other times it, you know, it's a meeting to talk about something else. But that's where I get a lot of my support and help from peers, right? Is it in the last few minutes of a meeting? It's like, hey, I'm thinking about this thing at this place. What do you think? Does this apply to you? How would you approach it? And so maybe the, the intentional thing to do is to say, hey, you should be having one-on-ones with your peers. Like, I wonder how many yes. of our leadership team is meeting with each other on a regular basis. Probably not as often as we should. And It was uh, easier in person because yeah, yeah. if you ended a meeting 10 minutes early, like to your point, you could you could hang around, grab someone. Like mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. rarely do people go right back to their desk. Yeah. As I'm remembering our sort of management team meetings. Yep, but also yep. you can go grab coffee. Mm-hmm. You, there's, you have a lot more serendipitous opportunity. Yeah. But when, when the host kills the Zoom, it's over. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you just yeah. kind of move on. So, Man, that's so yeah. true. Wow, what an opportunity there to create some of that space. Huh. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, well, hey, look, we have, I was just kind of taking stock one-on-ones, which are so good. Like the, the guidance in here is great. Decision-making, breaking ties, those kind of things, managing difficult people, compensation, product development, how to fire people bringing fun, humor, and play into situations. I mean, there's there's a bunch more in this chapter. So I think we kick the next one off with one-on-ones. That makes a lot of sense. And we'll just go. I'm not sure how many episodes it's going to be. It's definitely our longest chapter now, though I think that we've, out of any of our series that we've uh, centered on. Although you could argue it's probably a bunch of little chapters because the the content in here is is pretty varied. But yeah, we'll talk one-on-ones next time. I think that's a great idea. Great. Awesome. Cool. Well, great talking to y'all today. Stay Absolutely. safe, stay warm. Roads stay warm, are warm. a little icy. Power's on, though, so that's good. Power's on. <laughs> For now. <laughs> For now, yeah. There's There's been no promises made, so yeah, yeah we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. I got some prepper kits, though, if y'all need anything. Awesome. Let me know. All right. Have a good day. <laughs> Thanks. Later. Bye. That's it for today. Thanks for joining. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at WannaGrabCoffee or drop us a line at hello at WannaGrabCoffee.com.